Welcome to the Real Life Resilience Podcast. Stories of recovery from life's most difficult trauma with Stacy Brookman. You want to do a whole lot of front-loading teaching before you ever put themselves in a situation where something's hard and they're going to shut down. Hey guys, this is Stacy Brookman, and I'm glad you're listening to Real Life Resilience, the podcast with stories of real people who have gone through real tough situations. This is part two of our two-part interview series with our guest today, who is a brilliant woman helping other parents by engineering out-of-the-box solutions for out-of-the-box children. She is the mother to five out-of-the-box special needs children herself. So if you or someone you know has quirky kids, stay tuned. Before we discover more, let me share something with you that might change your life. Can you really write about your ex? You know that writing out your tough life stories is an incredibly healthy thing for you to do. Everyone has a story to tell. Even more important, everyone has a story that somebody wants to read. But is it okay to write about past relationships? Find out when you download my free guide. Can I write about my ex? And other burning questions about life story writing. Get your free copy now at stacybrookman.com ex. I love to hear from listeners personally, and I answer my own emails. So drop me a line and let me know what you found interesting in this episode or ask me a question. My email is stacy at stacybrookman.com. Now let's welcome back Louisa Kasia. All right. And we are here with Louisa, who is going to talk about how to teach children resilient strategies. And she has a load of experience. Welcome, Louisa. Hi, thank you. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background as far as teaching, you know, the ability to teach kids resilience. Yes, I engineer out-of-the-box solutions for out-of-the-box children. I used to be an engineer. That's what I was trained in through the whole process of going through my engineering, both in college, in my degree and my career. I have tutored numerous kids that have struggled with mathematics and science subjects. And later on, I had my own family and I have five children who all have some sort of special needs or divergent needs, which requires creative interventions because of that. So through the years of working with a lot of children, I started to develop a lot of strategies to teach children and bring those C's and F students back up to A's. That's kind of where my experience comes from, a lot of real life trials and errors. And I have an innate connection with kids that I just have always had. So you have a lot of really practical strategies that any parent can use to help raise more resilient kids, correct? Yes. Tell me a little bit about some of them. There's quite a few, but one of the ideas is I actually use literature to teach about that. I mean, people read biographies a lot. And that's one of the things that I introduced to children, such as Winston Churchill. The latest one where I talked to the kids about was uh, Gandhi. And even my two-year-old started talking about Gandhi, and it was quite hilarious when he started talking about it. <laughs> I exposed them to some interesting story about somebody and what they were going through in their lives. 
And then I may go into quoting, you know, writing down some specific powerful quote from these historical figures, talking over. And I'm talking very, very young children. I mean, age three, four, five, six, seven. You can start this in a very young stage. You, you talk to them about these historical figures, what they're doing, what they said, what they, what kind of legacy they left to us. And I go into explaining what the quote. Means, and it's a lot of conversation based, and so it starts off with maybe something from the literature or something that happens in our life. I love that. So even as young as two years old. Well, <laughs> yeah, you you'd be amazed at the capacity of human brain. I mean, it's really powerful. Your job is to feed it. I have my two year old coming up to somebody and telling them that Gandhi was thrown out of the train because he was brown. <laughs> Something like that. I, he didn't say it politically correctly, but it was he got the idea. Oh, that's fabulous! You know that reminds me too of I had a guest on two years ago, Deb Ross, and she told me about the, something that she does with her kids every single morning. They wake up, they get on Wikipedia and look at the birthday of the day and connect whosever birthday it is, whatever historical figure or political figure, whatever it is, and find something in that person's life to connect with her kids. And I thought that, that was really cool. So that sounds something very similar. Well, tell me what a, another strategy is that you use. So I do a lot of pre-teaching, a lot of front-loading about situations. Before, in this case, I'm teaching resilience, right? So what I'm expecting them to do is to come across something really, really difficult and be able to take a deep breath and say, "This is hard, but I can do it, and I can try." And most times, that's just really not the reaction I get. I mean, from years of tutoring these kids with challenges when it comes to math, I mean, these kids have years of failure. So when they face with something hard, that you put a problem in front of me, the first thing they do is they shut down. So I don't get to that shutdown point prior to me even trying to put some dif something difficult in front of them. I front load them with such as literature quotes from famous people, and also I model to them myself if I have a hard time. But I would draw to them. One of the strategies is drawing. If you're not drawing to your kids yet, no matter what age. I mean, I was working with a 16-year-old couple months ago, and I was drawing out for him ideas on. You know, I was talking through a story. So sometimes life is hard, and I draw a hard time. And one time I was working with a child who had some problems with his karate or something. Then I draw out him being in karate or trying to climb a mountain. So sometimes life is hard. Then I go to the next page, but it's okay. Everybody has a hard time, and we just continue to keep trying. And the next page, if we keep trying, depending on the age, you may get to be very simple. Sometimes life is hard, but it's okay. If we keep trying. We will get it, and the final page is thumbs up, smile. You know, it could be as simple as a plot like that. But I do these plot, and I draw it out for them. I used to use PowerPoint and really fancy things that I print out and laminate. I mean, now a lot of my teaching is over the dining table on a napkin, not not a cocktail napkin, but you get my idea. It's um, it's on the napkin. I will draw it out, and I have kids keeping those napkins until it's it's frailing. <laughs> but you go over with them, over and over about. So what do we do when things get hard? Well, we keep trying. You want to do 
a whole lot of front-loading teaching before you ever put themselves in a situation where something's hard and they're going to shut down. Tell me about front-loading. What does that mean or what does that look like practically? So practically, perfect example from the other day, we were doing a family bowling. And then before we started the bowling game, we knew that there were five kids and somebody's definitely not going to get the highest score. Most of them aren't. And I already know that our kids can take that pretty hard. And I think most kids take that pretty hard, right? If they're not the winner. Prior to starting the game, I sat everybody down and I drew and I started a story about the fact that not everybody's a winner. And sometimes we play and we don't get the highest score and that's okay. We're going to be resilient. If you don't get the highest score, you can practice some more and you may still not. You will practice some more. You may still not. I exaggerated for them. So they get the idea that, you know, Einstein and all of these famous scientists took 10,000 tries before they came up with their the right idea, which is why earlier I said I exposed them to historical figures that really shows them, listen, if you're having a hard time, that's all right. You just haven't had enough hard time yet. <laughs> you know, and, and once you have one day, it will click. But I set expectations. It's not going to get be tomorrow. It's not even going to be next week if you keep practice your bowling. So ahead of time, I sit them down to set expectations on what's going to happen. All of you, except for one, aren't going to get the highest score. And when that happens, how do we deal with it? I draw a picture for them. We're happy. We're cheerful. We say congratulations to each other. And we can decide to go practice some more. But we're nice and cordial about it. We don't throw tantrum. We don't cry. We don't throw ourselves on the floor. It doesn't mean that you're not great. So that's all the preload, the the front-loading teaching prior to even starting a bowling game. I love that. I love it. Do you ever get exhausted? Because like that's very pre-planning. Like sometimes, you know, I'm just going by the seat of my pants so often, but step back and plan more things out and you can do more of this front loading and you'll have a much better experience, right? Yeah, that's exactly the idea. I mean, either you're going to spend all your effort on the after the fact and being frustrated and upset about their behavior, or you're going to spend it on before the fact on teaching them exactly how to deal with it. And sometimes I even incentivize them. If I know this is really hard, depends. I mean, I don't like for them to go on life thinking that everything I need to care, I need to earn a care for everything that I do. But once in a while, sometimes when I'm teaching some brand new concept, it's like I will set up something to look forward to. You know what? If we can all lose graciously, we will start a second game which is the reward. They're very happy about that, right? Oh, that's fabulous. I love that. All right. Tell me another strategy. I model in my life, which is very, very important. I'm very frank and honest with my kids. And I think this is one of my biggest strengths. Sometimes when I coach parents, they're so struggling with issues and their kids don't understand. And sometimes I think my biggest advice and biggest strength in terms of parenting is just being very upfront and honest with the kids. So I would pull out examples of my personal life on what's happening with me. And for example, I would let them know 
My husband had a period of time when he was traveling a lot, and he'll be out overseas for two weeks at a time. And I have five kids under five with me. You know, no nanny, no parents, no in-laws, nothing. So it's really hard. I mean, I will be honest with them and say, you know. While your father goes out for two weeks, there's only really me, and I have to do everything for everybody. That's really, really difficult, right? So I'm really frank and honest about my situation with them. Which, as a side effect, they all start <laughs> chiming in on, you know what? Maybe while you change the diaper, Mateo and I can get the lunch going, or maybe, maybe we can help someone so the two-year-old go to the restroom so you don't have to help him, or maybe we can do this. And they will all suddenly team up and all, you know, come up with with this idea of who's gonna do what.、Well. How about you set the table, and how about then I go do this, and so you don't have to do that. So that's a side effect. But my point is, I tell them, look, so I'm having a really hard time, and this is really difficult for me because I don't have a second person to help me, and I'm really tired, and I have to do far more than I can. But I model for them and say, you know what? So do you think I should just give up and throw the towel? Do you think I should just,、uh, you know, not feed any of you? Do you think I should just not do we homeschool? So do you think I should just not school any of you? I mean, well, they will be like, no, no, you need to feed us. No,、right. you need to do school with us. So I say, well, yeah, you know what? Even though I'm having a really hard time, I'm not gonna give up. I'm going to keep you alive, well fed, and happy, and we're gonna get our work done for the next two weeks, and we're gonna find a way around it, right? So they are living. In life with me, and they're experiencing this, and I'm exposing my most vulnerable points to them. So that's just one example. I mean, sometimes I share things that happened to me when I was 17, and so this is about modeling, letting them see. Children look up to their parents. If you, as a parent, as their hero, whether or not you feel like you're their hero or not, you are. If you can share your moments of difficulties. And how you were resilient about that, they will pick that up because they want to be like you, right? Well, I can see the other thing that that helps is to build their empathy for other people. So it starts at home. So you're saying, "Hey, here's the situation I'm in. Yes, we're going to be successful at this ultimately, but yes, I'm having a hard time." And then they can start learning that empathy for other people. Tell me about another strategy. Okay, so another strategy is now that you have done your teaching through literature, historical figures, which is enriching to their lives. You've done teaching through your own life modeling. You front loaded them with a ton of how to deal with times when you don't get what you want, and then now it comes to practice because in the end of the day, it has to do with how many times they have been put in situation where they have to use their resilience. The brain, you know, makes neurological connections and neurons when the more practice you do. So now you have to create a lot of trials. You have to probably intentionally create it because you don't want them to be caught suddenly in a life event, and now they don't have their resilience together because they're still in training, and then they are feeling like a failure. So I go through our day. If I know that I'm teaching resilience, this period, this season of our life. 
then I create a lot of trials after I teach them. For example, after all the teaching, and this happens over the course of days, right? But every day I'm mixing the teaching, the more inspirational stories and the more life stories with the pictures that I'm drawn on what to do. And when they know exactly what to do, they can recite. Now we practice for real. So we sit down. So, okay, ready? And I used to do this with my math students, you know? Okay, so ready? I'm going to give you a really hard problem. Okay. And, but we're not going to shut down. We're going to use your resilience, your patience, and your whatever it takes to get through it. So I start, I even start making charts for children who really need to get that cognitive thinking into their mind. I have pictures like that for three year olds, six year olds, even eight years old and older. A chart that says, so it's a script for them to have. It says, this is hard, but I can try it. All right. So, and then on the back of the chart, it says, this is hard. This was hard. I tried and I did it. So first, before, you know, because the people's tendency and children, they tend to just shut down there. There's a lot of that. So right before, okay, ready? I'm going to give you something hard. So if it's hard, what do you do? You can raise the sign and then read the sign out loud. So as soon as I present the difficult math problem, for example, so they look at it. Okay. They raise the sign. Okay. Well, say what's in the sign. This is the first time I'm teaching them. We're practicing. It says, this is hard, but I'll try and I can do it. So, okay, put the sign down. Well, let's try it now. Now, after all of that front loading, they, they're like pumped up and motivated and ready to take on any challenge they have. You want to get them to that point before you present what's hard for them. So then they're trying and you're there to support. You're there to reinforce every effort they make. If they put their pencil down and they start writing something, awesome. I see you trying. You want to be really enforcing of their effort and then you help them through. So towards the end, when they get the answer, you flip the chart and say, see, this was hard, but I tried and I did it. So that's one trial under their belt. <laughs> they need to have two hundreds of those before you can spontaneously take them out to a life event, have something crash and have them go like, it's okay. Right. <laughs> you, you're, yeah, you, you got to train them in the lab a ton of time before you take them out and really have them go do it. Wow. That's amazing. I love that. That's a good strategy. I think I'm going to use several of these strategies with my own kids and they're 16 and 18. So, <laughs> all right. And then do you have one last strategy for us? I say the last strategy, you need to live it in your life. We value family dinner together a lot, which is why we bypass a lot of extracurricular activities. But I really value that parent-child conversation. And the way you're going to live this out is by always talking about, you know, anything that happened today. It could be on the news. It could be on your way home. You want to talk to them about it. And you want to constantly bring in that resilience theme into that. You know, this happened to me. I was really scared. I was really stressed out or I was really angry, but you know, I didn't give up. This is what I did, right? So you want to basically have those daily dialogue with them on everyday basis, pointing everything that happened that was either resilient 
or not. If somebody wasn't, you pointed out as well. So the more they see it, the more they're going to start to get into that mindset of thinking resilience. Right. Oh my goodness, Louisa, this has been really fabulous. And I know you have even more of these strategies and these strategies written out on your website. And we'll give that website and you can, folks can come and download that. They can also find some of these strategies in your book, right? Right. The book is called Outcast to Outstanding, a practical guide to understanding and addressing the drivers of your child's behavior. I also have a free coaching every Friday that's on Facebook Live. If you go to HarmoniousClan.com or if you go to Harmonious Clan's Facebook page, you'll find information on that. I do some coaching of more strategies and you can bring any questions to ask. It's meant to be a supportive community. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for doing that. And I, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom because I know a lot of parents are just going to eat this up and they're going to absolutely love the, the information that you've shared. Thank you, Louisa. Thank you. Welcome to Stacy's Journal. In this segment, I let you peek into my journal as I share my thoughts on a topic or resilience resource. I really love how Louisa shared ways to help our children become more resilient. I think every parent wants that. We can't protect our children from all of the tough stuff that they will experience. That would be impossible. So in lieu of that, building resilience in them is the next best thing. I'd love to know some unique ways you've built resilience in your kids. Please share your ideas over on our Facebook page. That's all we have for today. In the last episode, Louisa discussed the importance of being resilient as a parent. So if you need some help on how to become more resilient yourself, you might want to go back and have a listen. Next week, we'll interview Jennifer Lynn McGraw, who talks about helping teens move forward past their story to change the world. I love interacting with our listeners on social media. We're on YouTube, Pinterest, and Facebook. Really, just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. Before you go, don't forget your free download that answers the question, Can I write about my ex? And other burning questions about life storytelling. You know you're curious about it. Check it out and download it for free at stacybrookman.com slash write, W-R-I-T-E. One more thing, we're having fun counting down the 100 plus most important memoirs of the past 200 years. So our memoir of the day is Mommy Dearest from 1978. Mommy Dearest is a memoir and expose written by Christina Crawford, the adopted daughter of actress Joan Crawford. It describes her upbringing by an unbalanced alcoholic mother whom she judged unfit to raise children. The book attracted much controversy, with many family friends denouncing it as fiction, but others claiming that it was broadly accurate. Check out Mommy Dearest and all the memoirs on this list at stacybrookman.com slash 100memoirs, 100memoirs. And always remember, life is a story, and it's never too late to start telling yours. <laughs>